0: Greetings, everyone, and welcome to our weekly podcast on legal issues in the post-COVID world. My name is Gil Porter, a partner at Haines & Boone and chair of our COVID-19 task force. Today is Wednesday, May 27, and we are returning to our topic on the challenges of reopening for business in America. For this discussion, we are joined by two panelists. Kelly Vallade is president and CEO of Black Box Intelligence, a Dallas-based firm that provides benchmarking, research, and analytics for the restaurant industry. Before that, Kelly was the president and COO for Chili's Bar and Grill. And Christina Marshall. Christina is a Dallas-based partner in our firm's M&A practice group, Before that, she was uh, the Executive Vice President and Chief Legal Officer of a Dallas-based company that owns more than 200 restaurants nationwide. Nathan Koppel, our Director of Media Relations, will return to his role as moderator for our panel. Before we begin, our usual disclaimer. This podcast is for informational purposes only, is not intended to be legal advice, and does not establish an attorney-client relationship. By their very nature, the topics we discuss in these podcasts will be fast-moving and subject to change. Legal advice of any nature should be sought from your legal counsel. I've taken care of the front end of this, so now I'm going to turn it over to the substance. Nathan, it's all yours.
1: Gil, thanks a lot. Um, Got a great group of panelists today. We're going to talk about the restaurant industry as as states are opening up their economies across the country. Restaurants are also starting to gear up operations, which is great news. As a father of three, I'm probably like a lot of people and I'm very eager to be cooking less and eating at restaurants much more. Um, Kelly, I'm going to start with you to give me a, give us a sense of what the current financial state of the industry is, including any relevant uh, sales data that that you can provide.
2: Thank you. I'd be happy to and, and really um, thrilled to be able to join you. I think it's so critical on this um, really amazing industry has been hit so hard. So I'll, I'll start really broadly. We track and have over 300 plus companies in our database in our data set that have been helping us to understand on their behalf what's been happening since the very beginning. And so just a broad brush, you know, this is an industry that's an $833 billion industry. And in just this quarter alone, starting in mid-March, uh, the estimations on the losses are at about 80 billion for the quarter and upwards of 240 billion for the year so you can imagine it's it's been completely devastating there have been 8 million in job losses, four in ten restaurants um, closed, perhaps forever. It, it remains to be seen whether, in some cases, it'll it'll be temporary and they'll start to reopen. Um, but it's been devastating to say the least. Um, what we did also see, though, just really representing what an amazing, scrappy, and innovative industry the restaurant industry is. We did start to see some recovery even before states started to reopen, and that was because grocery or uh, because restaurants started thinking about how to sell groceries, how to give away. Toys, Toilet paper, how to do anything possible um, with their to-go business and their off-premise business, you know, just to to stay alive and to keep some employees. Uh, on payroll and to be taking care of guests, just working really hard to get food into people's hands. So the the shift to off-premise and and literally finding ways to get that food to folks helped out, Um, we really bottomed out in late March. And in April, there was some improvement. But in the very beginning, you saw declines year over year in sales and traffic for the industry at sixty plus percent. So overnight, a freefall down to sixty plus percent at its lowest, and we're now hovering around, you know, forty percent. Uh, still in- incredibly devastating, not sustainable. Um, low margin margins in this industry. That's just a matter of, of how it works, and the pressure on them throughout this recovery, you know, and to really bounce back is 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 a, it's a pretty pretty huge challenge.
1: And thanks for that, Kelly. Christine, I'm going to turn it over to you. I'd love to hear your impressions, of what you're hearing from your hospitality clients. What what COVID nineteen issues or and concerns are top of mind for them?
3: Thanks so much, Nathan. I'm I'm really excited to be here today. And you know, I would say that my our clients in general are are really tracking very closely with what Kelly just said. So at the beginning of the pandemic, um, there was a lot of there was free fall, quite honestly. And, and, and all of our clients were nervous. They didn't know what to expect. Um, then of course, you know, I think Kelly said it best, you know, this industry is scrappy and innovative. And I love those two words. I think that really describes this industry well. And, and it's scrappy, it's innovative. And and you saw restaurants immediately pivot and, you know, focus on takeaway and grocery and all these other innovations um, that I, I think will, you know, be with us, us, you know, for the future. And, I, and it's, it's always good. It's always good to have change and update. But, you know, today, as you two months later, I think it really depends, um, on the type of hospitality client in terms of what concerns and issues are top of mind. Um, you know, this pandemic has hit different restaurants, um, in different ways. So for example, QSR, QSRs is, is Done generally well in the pandemic. Um, QSR was a, by far hit the you know least out of all the types of of restaurants. Um, our QSR clients are currently talking about things like health and safety best practices and and technology that may be available to help them you know convert interactions with their customers to touchless and, and contactless. Um, you know some of the other interesting issues our QSR clients are currently looking at are. Issues with the PPP loan, you know, I think, as Kelly said, at the beginning of the pandemic, there was a lot of fear. There was a lot of uncertainty in the industry and a lot of QSR companies um, took the PPP loan. They took the funding and um, and then, you know, ultimately the sales ended up, you know, evening out or or increasing over time. And so there's been some interesting issues um, with the the question on, on that.
1: Christine, yeah, Christine. Yep. Sorry to interrupt. I was just I, I, QSR is a term I'm not familiar with. Can you uh, what does that
2: stand for?
3: Thanks so much, Nathan. I appreciate that. Sure, it's quick service restaurants. So it's our fast food restaurants. So all of Got our it. fast okay. food restaurants. Yep. No, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And um, so all of our fast food restaurants are the ones that um, you know had a, a takeaway to go to go uh, business already in place and with a clientele base. And so so I think it was you know, somewhat easier for, for a lot of the quick service companies to, to pivot. Um, I think after the QSR restaurants, then you get to fast casual. Fast casual are those restaurants that, um, you know, are the quick service, but not fast food. So you go in, you um, get your food at the counter, and then you go sit down. And a lot of times you'll eat there, but it's, it's quicker than sit down dining, um, but not fast food. They've been hit harder, definitely, than fast food. I think a lot of the issues that they're dealing with currently are food preparation and storage issues. I think with fast casual, um, you know, a lot of the, the food that they serve is, is out for the customers to see. And, and that, you know, in the new post COVID world, uh, maybe, you know, something that some restaurants are looking at. And then finally, we have the casual dining restaurant, and that was by far, um, the, the segment that's hit the hardest. And, Um, And like Kelly said, right, in the restaurant industry, margins are a problem. So if a lot of your customer base is, um, you know, dining in on in your restaurant and you can only have 25 percent or at most 50 percent of your customers, you know, that's a problem ultimately. And so I think that casual dining is definitely dealing with um, more issues around health and safety and spacing as opposed to you know, some of the PPP loan or labor issues that some of the best food, um, restaurants may be dealing with.
1: Thanks, Christina. Kelly, I want to, I want to ask you about in-person dining. Christina mentioned that some restaurants, I guess that most can, uh, uh, operate at a 50% basis uh, for in-person dining. And, um, just curious your thoughts about how, how the practical challenges for restaurants to operate on, on that kind of limited capacity basis.
2: Sure. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a, it's absolutely a challenge. And I think for some that were ready, perhaps some of the bigger chains, you know, perhaps some that had really been able to pivot and to offer to go and off premise for those restaurants really waiting for that. Okay. 25% it means we're a go. I think they decided early only half in that first week. I can take Texas to, it was really Texas, Georgia, Florida. We're using as almost that proxy for States that opened the earliest. And in those three cases, what you saw was only half the restaurants that were given the opportunity to open opened. So many just said, I cannot turn my lights back on completely. I can't start to bring 25% of my staff. I can't afford that overhead. I've been doing this to-go thing. I can keep doing that until the capacity is much higher. Uh, The restrictions are lifted. So those that did though, and only at, and because we get, So much data and we're getting it almost every other day right now. Uh, I can tell you that as of May 1st, those states that opened the earliest, uh, the comp sales declines were almost cut in half. So where this, where the national average is still at about 40 today, the states of Texas, Georgia, and Florida are significantly better and they're gapping anywhere from 10 to 20 points in terms of the sales. They've cut the sales decline by 10 to 20 points. That's significant. Um, the, dining, the dining room started to fill at almost that 25% capacity. So there was a huge question for those operators that chose to do it. Will they actually come back in or will they keep ordering to go and off-premise only? And am I going to be left standing here really not being able to afford it? And the answer to that is, again, they, they came in. They came in and their off-premise um, choices declined at the same time. So they made the trade off. The benefit of being together around a table, even if they were nervous, seems to be playing out in those states that opened early. And now we have Texas at 50%. Um, and again, we start to see, you know, even better numbers as that happens. So it's a challenge and many couldn't handle it many just didn't have the cash to do it or, or, you know, really couldn't take that chance that it wouldn't be worth it. Um, but those that did are, are, and again, because the capacity of restaurants opened is so low, uh, right. There, there actually is enough, you know, there's enough demand for it.
1: I mean, does it, does it get, is, I would think 75% capacity better than 50 or obviously all restaurants want to open their, operate their dining rooms at a hundred percent capacity, but is there some threshold where it starts to, you know, become more reliably profitable for restaurants.
2: Yeah, I think. Well, sure. sure. I mean, every every bit will help, and seventy five is better. It's certainly better than twenty five. Um, and 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 yet they now. Here's the other thing you have to think about that's happening. The other phenomenon with this is I've now where I maybe didn't have a buser, uh, and I maybe you know didn't have extra employees. Uh, I've got them now cleaning. I've got them bussing tables. I've got them wiping things down. I've got people that their entire job is to stand there and do that. Um, I I actually may have, and I have a client that's struggling with this. I have now to give breaks to my cooks because they're wearing masks and you can't breathe after a while in a kitchen. It's so hot that they're 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 multiple breaks now, um, and they're doing everything they can to keep their employees as safe as their guests and, and then some. So there, there are just going to be continued challenges that the restaurants will face as they try to do their absolute best to take care of employees and guests. So from a property yeah. standpoint, 25, 75, it's a different game and it's it's really going to be, you know, a slow recovery for, for restaurants.
1: Yeah, I can see why you use the term scrappy and resilient. It seems like they're obviously having to – operate with different blueprints. Everyone is, than they've functioned within the past. Um, Christine, I'm going to turn it turn it back to you. You alluded earlier to the Paycheck Protection Program. I'm curious the, the extent to which your hospitality clients have been able to recover federal stimulus funds or state and local relief. Yep.
3: Yeah, thanks so much, Nathan. So generally, yes, Our, my clients have been able to Recover stimulus funding and other types of relief. I think that, you know, in the beginning, in particular with the paycheck protection program, in the beginning, there was a lot of confusion and it was difficult for many borrowers to find a lender who was participating in the program and who had its processes up and running. I think, though, by the time of the, the second round of funding, most banks had, you know, sort of gotten their feet, you know, gotten their um, energy and, and they figured out their processes. And so I think Generally, most of my clients have received at least part of their of their federal funding that they applied for, um, and so I think generally, if clients are you know if companies are if they need funding and they're willing to put just a little bit of time into it, I think funding is attainable, but it it still takes some digging and it takes some work. You know, we went through a period of time that was interesting uh, around mid May where companies who needed the funds they were concerned about the public perception surrounding the recipients of the paycheck protection program loans and so there was a lot of nervousness among our clients for a couple of weeks about um, you know the loan and 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 what the public perception uh, about them as a borrower of that loan might be um, some of our and I alluded to it at the beginning of the podcast some of the fast food restaurants you know at the beginning of the pandemic they there was a lot of nervousness and uncertainty and they didn't know what the future held. But then, you know, fast forward six, seven, eight weeks when, you know, some of the governmental regulations about this program are still coming out, um, you know, business is looking a lot more stable and, you know, maybe the funds aren't as necessary as they were two months earlier. Um, And so we've had a lot of interesting issues and questions, you know, like that from some of the companies. I think now a lot of my clients are focused on the forgiveness piece on the paycheck protection program. Um, you know, some of the regulations I think, as recently as last week, have come out, and uh, and, and so we'll see. I think um, those are still still subject to change as well.
1: Do you think we might start to see consolidation in the industry? Are, are some of your clients thinking about acquisitions or other growth strategies?
3: Absolutely, Nathan. Um, so we've already started seeing consolidation in the industry. I think you know, as Kelly already alluded to, and as the industry is painfully aware, margins for most restaurants are, are razor thin. And so you add on top of a restaurant's existing GNA all of the expenses, you know, relating to some of these health and safety practices. And then you reduce the number of patrons who can dine in by a factor of 50% or 75%. And those numbers, like Kelly said, they, they just don't work for most restaurants. And so I think there's going to be natural consolidation in the industry because of that. And, and honestly, and, we, and we've started to see it. Um, buyers know that there are companies who need capital and and that are attractive targets. Um, however, it's interesting. Uh, we haven't necessarily seen a correlating hit to a seller, the seller's valuations yet, though. I think you see nervousness among buyers and the deals are going slowly. Uh, but, you know, the valuations on the seller's part they are still fairly high. Um so, so that's been interesting. Um, you know, I think too, You're going to see. I've actually personally had a lot more buyers um, that I've met recently and heard from recently who who are looking at QSR fast food concepts. I think um, maybe my opinion is just because of the risk profile. I think you know a lot of the fast food concepts, uh, a lot of the franchise ones in particular, not only survived the pandemic but they thrived. And I think a lot of investors will take notice of that. And um, and maybe some will think QSR is a, a less risky investment uh, when they're thinking about a restaurant investment, for example.
1: So, that make, yeah, that makes sense. Thanks for that, Kelly. I'm going to ask you about how restaurants are faring on the employee front as they gradually and increasingly reopen. Are they able to find enough qualified workers to, to staff the restaurants?
2: Yeah, I think once so it's a great question, Nathan. And once again, here you know therein lies some of the. Positives, the, the double edged sword in opening at 25%. Because if they had, if, if it really was, you flip the switch and it was 100%, I think it would have been very difficult. I don't think it's, um, in some cases going to be the same employee. Unfortunately, I think there are folks that have said, I don't know if restaurants is, is going to be for me after this. I think there are some that will test the waters and make sure it's absolutely safe. But our, sir, we did a a qualitative survey of our members and our clients and really they felt like, um, you know, maybe fifty percent would not choose to come back and to work in the same in the same restaurant. Uh, I think they're finding they tried to stay in touch with their employees throughout the pandemic and to gauge that interest. And that's really where they were getting that. That's really where they were getting that that qualitative information was. They were in constant contact with them. Uh, I think you know when you've got. People like Amazon hiring in, you know, the thousands nationwide and as a result of, you know, propelled by this even further, I think they will look to, you know, is there a safer environment? I don't think restaurants are unsafe, by the way. Um, but I think they will test the waters and just make sure they will be protected. I've, I've referred to this already on in other talks, but I think it is also really critical in thinking about how to win back those employees, those those family members that have been a part of these restaurants and the, the, the industry for so long. Uh, if there are rules in place and there are masks that you're requiring of guests and some grocery stores are doing it, some restaurants are doing it, you, you got to take a stand and support your employees. I, I Actually visited a restaurant this past weekend on the patio, and what I and chatted with the server who said it was getting busier every day, um, but a challenge every day. And he actually expressed how difficult it was because guests didn't want to follow the guidelines, and then he was put in the middle at times with a guest that just said, "I don't, I don't care if that's a reserved seat or it's there." because you're trying to distance, I'm okay and I like that table. Um, and the managers are going to have to help. The policies, the guidelines are going to have to be clear. And the employees are not going to want to be put in harm's way that way either. So I think it's going to be tight. I think there are employees that, to your original question, will they come back? They have also had government funding and support. And that that in, is good and also is a reason to say, you know, let me just hang tight until I know it's going to be busier or until I know we're really gonna have this all figured out. So I think there's a little bit of wait and see on the employee part as well. Uh, and I know these operators and these these great restaurant companies are, are dying to get their families back together. So that too is a is an interesting dilemma.
1: Christine I'm gonna ask you now to, to look into your crystal ball and, and and project ahead. Do you foresee a time when when the restaurant industry can return to a, a pre pandemic pre pandemic level of 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 health?
3: Absolutely. I mean, of course, right? I mean, and, and again, we're going to go back to it. They're scrapping and innovative. And so, of course, they'll be, get back to a pre pandemic level of health. However, I think, you know, I agree with Kelly. I, she mentioned it'll, it'll likely be a slow, slow recovery. And I think that's right. I mean, I think with the increased cost of health and safety best practices and, and what needs to be implemented in the restaurants, to address um, the you know just the health and safety issues and then the challenges that that Kelly's talked about already i think you know I, so i think that, that that will make it a slow slow recovery however it will definitely happen and i'm hopeful that when it does i'm and and i and i'm hopeful that this will help propel it but i hope that there is a good balance between health and safety regulations and the costs that these companies need to incur with maybe other regulation and relaxing other regulation in areas that might help offset some of those increased costs for restaurants. I think that, you know, there can definitely be changes with regulation, for example, in Texas with to go alcohol, right? That's a that's an area that's a a large you know area of margin for a lot of companies. And and if we could, you know, relax those regulations, that might even help restaurants recover even faster. Um, So I'm hopeful it'll happen quickly, but it will definitely happen, Nathan.
1: Thanks Kelly do you share that optimism that, that things will return
2: I do I do I do. I'd put a I put all, it really I, you've said so many great things Christine, already I think there will there will be procedures and and systems and technologies put in place that will stay forever. So there'll be, it'll be a different blueprint, as you mentioned already. It'll be, it'll look a little different and feel a little different. Um, Contactless pay and those kind of systems, the adoption rate on paying with your phone and ordering meals and the belief that I can get a great off-premise meal. Those are all going to think, keep the restaurant industry thriving, even when, you know, the footprint inside the four walls is going to remain difficult for a while. I do believe we will find that balance And I, too, echo what Christina said. I hope the balance is found because there are some in some states, the regulations are really crazy with contact tracing needed and and just expectations that will be crippling uh, in this recovery for restaurants. Uh, The positive for me is that restaurants serve such a vital role in society and and you know this the lonely there's there's I've been studying this thing called the loneliness epidemic for years and in 2018 50% of people said they were lonely even with everything uh, happening around them and everything on your phones and technology being what it is in 19 it was 60% i can only imagine what that is right now with people feeling isolated restaurants provide a place to be seen and a place where people can connect with family and friends and it's much more than food. You know, they're getting food today and they found a way to get food during this pandemic, but there will be a longing for the kind of connection that happens in restaurants. And that's the reason people, even if they're a little scared, are starting to get out. So I do think it'll find its way back. I hope it's a, um, I hope it's quicker than we've really alluded to today. I'm not sure it will be, but I absolutely do think that um, we'll find our way back.
1: Yes. Well, the restaurants are definitely near and dear to many of our hearts, both in, in this country and worldwide. So, Kelly, thank you for your time today. And, Christina, I really appreciate it as well. It's great to have two restaurant industry veterans uh, work, work talk about these issues with us. Uh, Gil, I'm going to turn it over to you. Thanks.
0: Well, great. Thank you, Kelly, Christina and Nathan, of course, for that insightful overview One of the trademarks for American businesses has been their determination to survive and willingness to innovate. While challenges surround the restaurant industry, I share our panelists' positivity about their ability to adapt to the post-COVID world. And I hope our listeners share my own resolution to be among the early customers to return to my local restaurants as they reopen for in-restaurant dining, and to be supportive of their efforts to protect our servers and fellow diners. And thank you to our listeners for joining our COVID-19 podcast series. This concludes our multi-part series on the challenges of reopening of business in America, which consisted of three webinars, four podcasts. If you missed any part and would like to hear more on this topic, please access our website for recordings of all our prior webinars and podcasts, including on other topics. As a reminder, you can find our podcasts, webinars, and other content, including over 170 significant summaries and updates on legal issues at haynesboone.com, haynesboon Please also feel free to reach out to me or to Nathan Koppel if you have any suggestions for further podcast topics. Take care, everyone, and good night.